TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Abnormal Psychologist, the show that shares everyday insights into getting the best out of your mind, body, and lifestyle. Now, please welcome your host, The Abnormal Psychologist herself, Carrie Thompson-Casey. Hi there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Abnormal Psychologist with me, your host, Carrie Thompson-Casey, the show where we are giving you the how-to to get the best out of you. And today we are talking to the fabulous Rebel Black. Now, Rebel is an amazing, real rural woman. She's a social entrepreneur and a change agent, and she works as a coach for many people. Rebel lives the philosophy of rural. That is to say, she exists in a mindset of freedom, opportunity, prosperity, and compassionate contribution. She's an advocate for rural women and communities, and she often sees her role as investing in people and their healing. Now, it's a real, really big treat for her to be on our show because she is such a busy woman with so many projects, Um, but she will tell us all about those in just a minute. So welcome, Rebel. Hi, Carrie. Very excited to be here. Wonderful. Glad to have you. Now, there's so many different places we could start with your story, Rebel. You're just involved in so many amazing projects, but um, you were recently um, won a bit of a prize or a few years back around being a bit of an entrepreneur. Can you tell us about your story to living in a, a rural life, but managing to really live some amazing, amazing projects? Well, I think the the passion for me, I, I was born and raised in rural communities and um, the last 15 years in Lightning Ridge in Western New South Wales and I've always wanted to contribute. I think, you know, ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to make a difference. Um, started my first fundraising activity in about year four or five with uh, the Save the Koala Foundation and we raised 30-something oh, so, dollars running a, oh. uh, a 10 cents per entry colouring in competition. And, um, That's gorgeous. You know, I don't even know how, how I found out about Save the Koala Foundation um, but because <laughs> back in the day before Google because I am that old. Um, but <laughs> it's – so for me it was that and, I, you know, I grew up in a family that was always volunteering and contributing my grand- father was part of the agri, uh, agri-political scene for, for all of my life and um, so I was inspired by that and there was just something in me that wanted to give back and so for me it was how do you find a vehicle like that living in a rural community and business is a great way to s- start. Yeah. So started my first business at 21 years old and I've been morphing and changing the look of that business and gone into several others in the last sort of 14 to 15 years Um, as well as constantly being involved in community activities. So I've been the president of just about everything and um, sat on just about every committee locally and I've been involved in, you know, state advisory committee for the Rural Women's Network and various other, you know, jobs and roles and contributions over the years simply to fill that desire within me to make a difference. Um, but, but only really doing that consciously, I suppose, or with any real deliberate strategy in the last 12 months, which is funny really because I've been doing it for so long. <laughs> yeah. 
Sometimes that's how it happens though, isn't it? Is that, you know, it, like someone says, there's sensation overnight, but really there's been um, like a lifetime of work going into those Absolutely. particular roles. So tell yeah, us about and, some of your work in with rural women. Well, yeah. So I think last year I found myself, uh, you know, in sort of the third year of evolving my coaching practice from food coaching to business coaching and really just, and not really loving it. You know, I was really enjoying the clients I was working with, but I couldn't see how I could have the biggest impact that I really wanted to in the model that I was building. So I was sort of playing around and found myself constantly being dragged into the volunteer work I was doing for the Australian Opal Centre as the president. Uh, We had a fairly serious excavation last year and so we were project managing earthworks which was a new one for me uh, and a whole range of other things going on with that organisation. So I've really sat down about this time last year and had that real solid talk with myself, you know, what are you going to do in the next 12 months? What's your business look like? What's your voluntary commitment look like? You know, what is your, how is your life different in 12 months' time? And I realised I needed to give myself permission to just go for it with the voluntary work, um, that if I didn't step up and, and uh, contribute to my highest uh, ability in that, uh, in that role as the president of the Australian Opal Centre and commit to raising $30 million, happen um so i might as well go all in or get all out so i decided to go million dollars yeah just you know what now i don't even think about the number last year i was like 30 million dollars and now i'm like 30 million bucks you know it's just it's just a number um and and that's been a really interesting journey to get to that point and what i realized last year was that I wouldn't raise $30 million, that my job and my, uh, my skills and gifts was bringing, finding the right people who would help me achieve that goal. That, a that a it collaboration. Wasn't, yeah, it wasn't my burden to carry, that there were other people out there that we didn't yet know and some that we did who would get as excited about the possibility of doing that and the possibility of a genuine collaborative project to do something extraordinary um, that there would be other people out there that would want to play with me in that. And so that's what I set out to do this year was to find those people. And I have to say I've just – it's rocked my world. You know, it's its made me realise how little I know and how much I know and how incredibly generous people can be when you give them a pathway to share that generosity. So, so – I was just going to say, so what, what – like I, I know you're saying that you don't see the $30 million dollars anymore but you know when someone's faced with a project that's quite enormous whether it's fundraising for a local school or or for themselves even where where did you start like what 30 million dollars I mean there must have been a day one right this is what we're going to do yeah day one was like holy smokes what have we done um well I I had the very clear intention that I would blog about it every day well, that very quickly went out the windows I, as it gained momentum. What I did was I asked a lot of questions, um, assumed I knew nothing and just asked lots of questions of lots of different people. And every time I'd talk to someone, I'd ask who I should talk to next. Okay. Who, so, you know, yeah. so it's, so it's like that snowball leverage. effect. Yeah, it is. And so I, I think the principles that I've learned out of this year are around leverage and the power of leveraging money and people and the and the um, 
and networks. So, and that leverage results in genuine empowerment. So rather than you having to do everything yourself, and the same applies in business. Yeah. Um, if you can understand the concept, the real sim- the simplistic concept of leverage, and apply it in all aspects of your life, you will get the goal. So for me, it was about who can I talk to, what pathway can I provide them that gets them excited about the story and then helps them see a way that they can contribute to the goal, whatever that looks like, whether that's like literally just connecting me to somebody else or giving money or um, helping write a submission or whatever it is. You've got to give people the pathways to become involved in the project. Just the same as in business, you've got to give people the pathway to become a client. Yeah. So um, that's been a real, you know, like again, just that reiteration of, of, of a knowing or a learning that I already had, but just that real reminder that it, it works. So I just had started with lots of conversations no plan, no idea, had no idea. In fact, some days I still don't have any idea how we're going to raise that $30 million. I just know that we are. Okay. Um, there's, we're much clearer now. So we're fortunate in the sense that at the moment at both state and federal level, there's significant investment being made in regional infrastructure. Now that's by no means a guaranteed. We will be in the mix with everybody else. Um but that wasn't there a year ago. Okay. Those those opportunities were definitely not there a year ago. So that's been interesting as well as around setting your intention, being very clear on what the goal is. And I read a brilliant book this year called The Alchemist by oh, yes. yep. Arlo um, Coelho. In that book he talks about that if you're um, – yeah, I'm going to say it very poorly compared to the beautiful way that he writes it. But essentially, if you say you live your purpose in life, all the universe will conspire to make it happen. And I feel a bit like that has happened this year. Like um, as, as you opened yourself up to the idea, you started to have other things open up to you, like the opportunities yes. started to present themselves. Is that what you mean? Exactly. Exactly. So that, and it's being open to those things and then not just being open to it, but following through on it. So through, so I had, I ran some boot camps earlier this year, my business body and belief boot camps. And I had a a new client, um, someone that was from outside the region, someone completely new. She came along and uh, we were talking um, at the workshop about, I was talking about the Australian Opal Centre project. She said, I work for a, one of my clients is a you know, big building company in Canberra that have just won this great big award for this amazing building. Um, I should hook you up with the next time you come to Canberra. Now, if you weren't open, you know, if you hadn't set the, if I hadn't set the intention to raise $30 million like this year and I hadn't been open to the possibilities and, and, you know, and being genuinely committed to that intention, I would have just said, yeah, sure, cool. And never followed through, but I did follow through. And where that has led me is to this extraordinarily generous man who's connected me with the very wealthy people that built the thirty million dollar, um, you know, built the thirty million dollar building that his company built. But he did. But he just. 
took me there to show me the place. It was then my decision to go to Harden, drive eight hours to go to the polo one day to meet those people, which I did, and and then now to follow up with all of those people to make something happen in the early new year and then keep following up with the, the building company to see what opportunities there are for them to support us going forward. Now, if you weren't open to that, if you hadn't set that intention, none of those really cool things would have happened. So tell me a little bit about that though. So so these guys, um, is this the first time you've had to approach um, someone that you would hope would be a significant contributor or would be quite influential to the project potentially? What kind of thing goes through your mind and body as you walk up to these individuals and, and you know, prepare yourself to speak? It's... Uh, okay, it's a good question. So I think for me it's there's a lot of strategy that sits behind it. I'm an introvert so I do a lot of thinking, spend a heck of a lot of time in the car listening to great audios and then thinking and then really applying what I've learned in listening and in listening to the audio books I listen to and listening in conversations I've had and then thinking about how does that play out strategically. So um, when I met if the builder, for instance, it's um, it's just a conversation. I actually free myself from the expectation of the outcome is a really important thing. Okay. So I go in with a genuinely open heart and mind and think if something comes of this, that will be amazing, but if nothing comes of it, I'll learn something in the process. So my only expectation is that I will learn something and that what I take away from any conversation is a, a greater insight into the human spirit or an individual or, a, you know, philosophy on life or whatever. That's so great. that's the first that's, thing. That's really great. I just wanted to – so you don't, did you say you don't tie yourself to the outcome? Yeah, well, I free myself from the expectation of the outcome. And actually, it's funny that that has come up because yesterday I had a conversation with someone about something completely different, but he said to me, uh, I'm just trying to find my notes, he said it's about compassionate non-attachment, which I just think is brilliant. Mm, yeah, And it's that coming from a place of true compassion and but not being attached to to the outcome. So it is that complete liberation. You know what? If this person helps me raise thirty million dollars, awesome. And if they don't, I'm okay with that. It it's gives very, you, a- yeah. It's it's so similar, I guess, to what I'm doing in the in the room with a client. In that, although I hear their story and I'm you know feeling you know very compelled by their story, very compassionate about the story. At the end of the day, it's it's their story. It's not mine. Yes. I don't own it, and and it's not going to be healthy for me to own that story. No, um, and it, it is very much um, about helping that person work through some strategies that are going to work for them and with their story. So no, I think that's great, but I think that's really interesting. You know, perhaps there's someone listening that's trying to find the courage to go and talk to someone or build a new social network or try something new, um, but. Seeing that perhaps is only the first step of maybe ten, because they're not—they're going to free themselves from being really tied to the idea that this very first try must be successful. And I think again, um, sometimes I refer to my story about trying to build my relationship with exercise, and you know, sometimes it's—it's it's being patient with that and not, you know, doing thirty minutes on the treadmill and hoping to get off ten kilos lighter. So yeah. <laughs> um, that's right. So, so you've been very patient with the process. It sounds. I've been very patient because 
whilst I wanted to raise $30 million, you know, that was my decision this time last year, that this year we would raise that money, I also went into that with that absolute compassionate, you know, disconnection to the outcome, saying, you know what, we'll give it a red hot go. I've got no idea how I'm going to do it, but I believe in it and I believe in myself and there have been times when that belief has wavered, but it's also for me the gratification in the growth that I've achieved this year as a human being as well. So that's what I knew. Even if we didn't raise $30 million in 12 months, we would have given it a red-hot go. We will have massively increased our network, our exposure, and we probably will have raised some money in the process and we will raise the money. Uh, but I also will have learned things and grown as a human being because there is no way that you can raise $30 million or attempt to raise $30 million and not be a different person. And that's what I got excited about. Okay, yeah. The other thing I got excited about, Carrie, that, that has evolved the way I tell the story about the Australian Opal Centre and why people would want to get involved is that I realised that what matters to me doesn't necessarily matter to other people, but some things that matter to me do matter to other people. So it's really important to know the person that you're having the conversation with. So compassionate, what, what were those wonderful words? Uh, compassionate keep, disconnection. Compassionate, thank you. Keep losing the note <laughs> I wrote it on. Compassionate disconnection or compassionate non-attachment. Yeah. And then secondly, knowing that other person. So knowing them enough that you can speak or very quickly in your questioning at the beginning of a conversation get to what's going to matter to them and then, and then skew the story around that. Now that, that's not, that might seem uh, sneaky or, you know, could be perceived as being manipulative but I actually see it as just a way of me communicating in a way that that person is going to hear me. And, and hear the value of the story for them. So I realised only a few weeks ago that I'd been telling the wrong story. In fact, probably f for a lot of the project's life, this, the wrong story had been told to government. Okay. And it wasn't until the penny dropped with me, you know, in planning for a, in planning for a speech that I was giving at an event about the project that I realised, oh, my goodness, we've been telling this wonderful community story about, you know, this collection worth nearly $3 million that the community had donated and these wonderful activities that we do around education and, um, and the, the, the voice that we give to the, the opal miners of Australia and the story of the heritage of, you know, that, that last frontier stuff. We've been telling that story and, you know, the volunteers that give their time and all of that stuff which is really floats some people's boats, you know. That definitely is a story that gets people excited and on board. Mm. But it doesn't float the boat for government. What government needs to hear is that in the last two years, our very small project with the resources that we've already accumulated over 10 to 15 years has injected in the last two years through our events and activities more than $870,000 in direct cash. Wow, yeah. Um, that in the first year of operation, the Australian Opal Centre will inject an additional $10 million into the local economy and an additional 2 to $5 million into the regional economy. That 
floats their boat. Yeah, I can imagine. But it was the first time, you know, it took me all year, all these conversations, all this thinking, all this putting it out there and getting it back and listening and, you know, being open. That that sort of penny drop moment where I'm like, God, I've been telling the wrong story. And the minute that we shifted that story, the shift came and the light bulb was on. And I just thought, wow, what a great lesson for life. And in some ways it was, it's not, it's not just what's in it for them. It's also, you know, what's in it for the greater community. So it's about a shared um a shared gift, you know, that everyone's going to experience something constructive from this project, not just yeah. not just um, Lightning Ridge having an Opal Centre. So it was... Is, is, That's is right. It, yeah, it was about, you know, and not about you achieving yeah. 30 million in a project. It's about, you know, what's the greater good for everybody connected to this project. And so again, like filtering yeah. that back down to the individual, um, as you said, sometimes, you know, although we need to keep it simple, it is about being open to experience and... Um, not being vulnerable so much, but being open enough so that you can hear other people's stories because then they might help you be even further open and more successful in your project. So you've obviously met lots of really interesting people um, and learned a lot about different things along the way. So can you tell me a little bit about what you've learned about people in general through your experiences? Well, certainly I've learned that ego plays a big role. Yeah. In uh, in everything, and and that that's my ego included. In fact, I and, had a very nice money. reminder of that. Yeah, well, e- yeah, ego and and money. Yeah, I, I think ego. Um, uh, you know, money is a mirror. Sometimes, I suppose that that's been the so the ego uh, ego shows up in lots of different ways, and I think it's understanding that in yourself firstly and then in others secondly um, and how that plays out in your own, in your own life and how to listen for the ego in the conversation um, and then making a decision around whether you want to feed somebody's ego or whether you don't. I, I think that's been really powerful as well. Do you want to play the game or not? Yeah. Um, and I, even yesterday in a conversation, you know, I was describing this situation for me and, it, and the, this really great guy just said to me, well, that's just, that's just um, the behaviour, describing my behaviour, he said that's just the behaviour of someone who hasn't yet mastered their ego and the ego within me went, what do you mean I haven't mastered my ego? I've mastered my ego, you know. <laughs> and then I was like, hello. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we all have it, you know, and it's not yeah. a matter of getting rid of it because you need a certain amount of ego to... Yeah, of course function yeah but it's it's understanding it and knowing it and seeing it in yourself and other people and asking yourself am I doing this because of ego or is my ego just being fed by this process and there's been times this year where I've watched people want to buy into this project because of ego um and I've and I've watched myself as well um be lured by the the false sense that ego gives you as well, you know that this is this is something really big and and I, and to a certain extent, I don't do this for I don't do this for me at all, in the sense that the winners from the process that I'm going through at the moment are going to be the community of the world. 
because we're going to build something that has a legacy of how to do regional development and and I mean, there's no thirty million dollar blueprint out there. Right? There is no, no book I could read that says, "Here, Rebel, here's how to raise thirty million dollars in a community that has a population question mark <laughs> in the middle of nowhere <laughs> with a, in a safe federal seat in a safe locals, you know, yeah. um, with a discount. Like all this, there is no book. So we're we're trying to write the book, and it's whether you write the book from a place of ego or from genuine, um, you know, genuine giving. Yeah. I could not have done this here if I wasn't getting something out of this either. But it's not to feed my ego, it's to feed my growth. Well, tell me about that. Um, what have you learned about yourself? Oh, well, I'm a lot more resilient than I think I gave myself credit for, firstly. Um, I'm also a lot smarter than I gave myself credit for. <laughs> There's a lot of things I don't know, but there is, a, you know, after 15 years of working in this region and in the various, in the diversity of, uh, roles I've had in my own business and in employment and community, um, I have a really good understanding and I didn't give myself any credit for that. But I've also learned, um, I think in terms of growth, it is the ability, what, I, what this year has given me is the ability to really know my why. Um, and we've talked about this before, but it's that it's genuinely getting to the why of life. And so, in fact, this year, by focusing on the Australian Opal Centre, volunteering 365 days has given me greater clarity in why I'm on this planet, you know, my purpose in life. Get really, okay. really clear about what it is that I want to contribute and how I can do that um, to the best of my ability. And so, there are things that I've – I always thought I was really good at crossing off the list. In fact, I've – I think I've delivered speeches about that, you know. Here's I did this, tick, don't want to do it again, tick, don't want to do it again, tick. tick. Yeah. I'm thinking, God, eventually I'm going to get to something where I'm like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Um, and I think this year's given me that, which is just in, an incredible gift um, yeah. to give yourself. Scary. I'm thinking, how am I going to, you know, my businesses were, you know, not, I was changing and talking all for three years. So at the end of last year, my businesses were hardly stable. So I had no idea how we were going to pay the bills this year. None. Wow. We have managed. Never That's gone great. hungry. Never not put petrol in the car. Never not paid the bills. Don't know how, really. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, but that's, I mean, what a great, what so a great where is, learning. Yeah. So where is the project at now in terms of dollars raised? Well, we've... Uh, we've raised, do you know what, I can't even tell you what we've raised this year, but it's in the tens of thousands. That's great. Not in the millions, but it's a lot more than we raised. Still than growing. Raised. Yeah, it is. Um, but we've got these great opportunities state and federally. Uh, I've made lots of great connections with politicians and public servants and people in the community. Yeah. Most and we've also got these wonderful people that we've connected with through various diverted very long, convoluted, who knows where we're going kind of pathways to find the gem um, and the people who are going to help us do that. And I think we've got that team. We're really rapidly growing that team of people. So my expectation, Carrie, is that we will have, by the end of next year, $30 million. And that's that great. We will be walking in and opening and enjoying incredible Australian Opal Centre in 2018. Oh, that's beautiful. So, Rebel, tell me, what 
give me three tips or rituals that you do that in this amazing process that you've done to keep yourself grounded or focused? So again, that's what this year's helped me with, drawing all the tools, you know. Um, so three things. I have a green smoothie every morning. Great. That's a deliberate conscious decision to fuel my body with the nutrition that it needs. It's a good way of getting green stuff in just in case you don't get it the rest of the day, which I usually do but not always. It's a handy meal to have in the car and it's a good way to add supplements, you know, things that I need in my life that, you know, in my body that I don't have, that I don't um, get from other sources. So that's a ritual for me. Uh, Every morning since February, I have started my day with a green smoothie and then I write in my journal just a real, it's a very small journal. I don't buy, you know, and it's just one page. And on that page, I just write what's in my heart and how I want with the the, sort of the direction of how I want to feel that day. Okay. Um, So it's quite a, a conscious decision around you know, I, I will write three words that will describe the, the sort of feelings I want for that day. So it might be, for I think today it was freedom, courage and joy. Lovely. Um, and then I write a story to myself. And I, I love reading back over those. Yeah, Both for wonderful. inspiration on the day, but also just to see where my mind was at. You know, what was I trying to convince myself of? What was I genuinely convinced of? What, what was going on? It's actually really, really lovely. Yeah. Um, and the third thing, which is more recent, is, is exercise. And that's taken me a, a long time to reconnect with. Um, but it's and, – and there's a goal around the exercise in that I realised I'm very – I am goal-oriented. I need that big picture vision enabled to enable myself to have the small steps to get that vision. Um, so set the goal of running the city to surf and then – have been able to build out sort of an exercise plan around that. and But it's more of a conscious effort to move and to contribute to my own health and well-being. That's lovely. By, being in, by being in my body. Excellent. So um, if people wanted to connect with you or your programs or the, the project around the Australian Opal Centre, how can people find you? I've got lots of ways people can find me, Carrie. I seem to be everywhere sometimes. So either at rebelblack.com, vrw.biz or therualwoman.biz or for the project, it's theaustralianopalcentre.com. And um, my phone number's, well, you know, out and about. People are emails, however you want to connect. I love to connect with people and and from them and and certainly... um, I'm inspired as much by other people's stories, um, which is awesome. Oh, and it's been awesome to have you and really an amazing woman doing um, so many projects and you've been successful in many ways by the sounds of it. And um, I'm sure our listeners would have got something amazing out of it and they can connect with you if they need to. So that was a great show, Rebel. Well, I hope everyone found today's information valuable. Don't forget to support the show by telling your friends or you can go to our Facebook page, Carrie Thompson Casey, that's Thompson without a P, and like us there and give us your feedback. You can also subscribe to the show in iTunes. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating if you like the show today. You can also support us by going to the website, CarrieThompsonCasey.com. Thank you for joining me and see you on the next episode of The Abnormal Psychologist where we share real people's stories and give you real ideas so that you can realize your potential. Take care. 
Hi, it's Damien Christoph here. 2015 marks perhaps the most important event the Wellness Couch has ever conducted. We've had two sold-out wellness summits these last years, but honestly, nothing will come close to our first ever wellness breakthrough. Your favourite Wellness Couch experts, the Up For A Chat girls, Quirky Cookies Joe Whitten, Stu Hayes, Marcus Pierce, and of course the Wellness Guys are all gathering in Dandong Ranges for three days and two nights for one incredible event. If you want possibly the greatest peer group in health and wellness to help you catapult your life to the next level, then we'd love to see you at the Wellness Breakthrough in February. For more information, go to www.thewellnesscouch.com. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavour to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.